You are Locked On Horn Frogs. Your daily podcast on the TCU Horn Frogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome into Locked On Horn Frogs, your daily TCU podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Simcox. Appreciate you joining me today. Uh, here in segment one, we'll discuss something that I know is maybe becoming somewhat of a tiresome topic and realignment, but uh, there was some news from Pac-12 Media Day, some quotes that I thought I'd pass along, and then we'll discuss that with Matt Jennings also uh, tomorrow. Matt's going to hop on the show on Thursday, and you know we'll we'll stay on top of it. I think after this week, I have a couple guests lined up towards the end of the week that relate to the topic. More looking at where TCU could go and not so much at what happened with what looks like the end of Big 12 football. We don't know that for sure. Anyway, after this week, I feel like we'll sort of move on, but I did want to, you know, cover it. It's a huge story. There's no way around it. Um, So I want to try to cover it from all angles. In segment two today, though, we'll change pace a little bit. I got to hop on the radio with uh, Q, who was someone I used to work with in Central Texas. He is now in Las Vegas, and he hosts Raider Nation Radio. Um, and Trayvon Merrick was second-round pick of the Las Vegas Raiders, so I chatted with Q about Trey and his potential as a rookie as camp starts, and he um, starts to get acclimated to the NFL game and the NFL life. So that's coming up, but I did want to say Pac-12 Media Days kicked off today. And uh, George Klivkoff, who is the new Pac-12 commissioner, and I don't know a lot about George. Uh, he was a surprising, I remember this today, he was a surprising pick as Pac-12 commissioner. He has no real experience in college sports coming into this new job. Um, he was the president of entertainment at MGM uh, Sports. He also oversaw venues like T-Mobile Arena and Mandalay Bay Event Center. So definitely has, you know, experience in administration and handling a lot of moving parts and handling um, big, massive media enterprises, but doesn't have any experience in college athletics. So I would say this guy's kind of a wild card. If you're thinking about, okay, how would traditionally someone in the NCAA world kind of handle things, uh, I feel like George Klipkoff is is a different type of dude that we don't know a whole lot about. But here were some of the quotes that he gave at Pac-12 Media Days on the top of the expansion. And, I mean, some of them were positive. Some of them were a little more reserved. Um, he did say, we do not think expansion is required to continue to compete and thrive. Uh, that said, the fallout from Texas and Oklahoma gives us an opportunity to once again consider expansion, and we've already had significant inbound interest from many schools. We will work with our presidents and chancellors to evaluate these opportunities. He also said that expansion opportunities are a priority for the Pac-12, and they will be taken up in a timely manner. Um, And, you know... I think those things are obviously positive. He declined to answer a question on whether the league had discussed expansion with Texas Tech, and he wasn't asked about any other specific schools. That part's not surprising. Of course, he's going to deny that they've talked to specific schools. The Pac-12 is in an interesting spot. I think they can stay put and maybe be fine. The interesting thing about the Pac-12 is 
what happens if another conference tries to go get, say, USC or Oregon or UCLA or one of the flagship schools out west? I don't know how likely that is. It's just pure speculation on my part. But one thing that's been floated out there in the last few days is that the SEC might not stop at 16. You know, does the Big Ten want to look at getting involved in this? This is ultimately, I don't know what the final number is going to be, but this is ultimately and essentially just big programs trying to create an upper echelon of college football that I think would be completely um, exclusive and, and not able to get into, right? Like the gap between the blue bloods and those who don't have that type of status, it's already larger than it's ever been. You look at the recruiting rankings and, you know, the talent it's going to uh, Alabama, it's going to Clemson, it's going to Oklahoma. And there are other schools that are trying to work their way in that mix. But for the most part, you know, those are the teams, along with Ohio State, uh, that are going to be factors in the national title race. So with realignment happening and this shakeup going down, it's just another example of, okay, let's make this a difficult club to get into. Uh, and if you're not one of the ones that can hang, then you're on the outside looking in. And, of course, there are schools in the SEC that don't belong there. Um, Vandy has a good baseball program. That's about it. Kentucky obviously has a very historic basketball program, but the football program's a mess. I mean, we can go down the list. South Carolina has historically been mediocre to bad. But they're sort of, they're getting grandfathered in with the big bad SEC. Point being, the Pac-12 could decide, hey, we're going to be patient. We're going to see what happens. But if they want to be proactive, expansion is the way to go. Now, I don't know what teams they're interested in, but obviously the Big 12 makes the most sense because there is an opportunity there. I hope TCU is attractive to the Pac-12. It wouldn't be my first choice, but I think it might be the best choice as far as staying relevant and being able to um, be a factor on the national landscape and the playoff moving forward. Coming up, I'll let you hear some of my interview that I did with Q this afternoon about Trayvon Merrick. Before we do that, though, I did want to tell you about betonline.ag. BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts, uh, they cover everything. But especially right now, Major League Baseball in full swing, games on every night. Let Lee Sterling tell you what bets are safe, what you should be uh, betting on, what you should be looking at in in that part of the sports world. Also, football is coming up soon. The Olympics are going on right now. Um, Whatever sport it is, you can find a way to wager on it. And BetOnline.ag is the best at letting you know the way to go. BetOnline.ag, give it a try today. Locked on Horn Frogs segment number two coming your way. And right now I want to let you hear uh, my interview with Q from Raider Nation Radio. And we're talking about Raiders rookie and former TCU star 
Trayvon Merrick. Here's that conversation. And I wanted to ask you about Trayvon Merrick. Uh, you're the guy who, who does Locked On TCU. You're the guy who went to TCU. You follow uh, what Gary Patterson and the Horn Frogs have done like a glove. So as training camp opens, Stephen, Trayvon Merrick, in my opinion, is expected to be the day one starter at that free safety position. Uh, what are the things that you've seen from Trayvon from the minute he stepped foot on uh, campus there in Fort Worth to him eventually being drafted by the Raiders? How have you seen him progress in his game? Well, the first thing that really stands out with Trayvon is just the ball skills. I mean, he makes plays on the ball. He had seven interceptions over his career, only two in 2020, but it was a shorter 10-game season, and teams weren't throwing to him as much. But the interception and the pass deflections, I think that's what's going to stand out to Raiders fans immediately. Uh, he's, I think he's got a good size. I mean, he's a little slight at six feet and 200 pounds. I feel like the biggest area where he grew was making plays, you know, in support, like behind the line of scrimmage in the run game, being a sure tackler, being somebody who could come up and be a little more versatile and not just a uh, kind of back-end center field safety. And, and the other thing was in that defense that Gary Patterson runs, the four-two-five. he really asked a lot of his players as far as, um, he has a complex scheme, complex calls. He tries to treat it almost like uh, offensive coordinator street and offense, where all three levels are doing different things. It's able to adjust on the fly because, as you know, Q, a lot of Big 12 offenses run tempo. They're getting up and right. fast. They'll show you different sets and try to use a lot of deception um, to get your defense on its heels. So Trayvon really stepped up his last two seasons and was sort of the quarterback of that defense, or at least the quarterback of that secondary making sure guys knew what their assignments were, uh, sort of directing traffic back there, making sure nobody was leaking out and getting a free run or an easy catch. So those are the areas that he really grew in. And obviously, you know, picking up an NFL defense, learning a new system, that's going to be huge these first few weeks as he sits in the training camp. Talking right now with Steven Simcox, host of Locked On TCU here on Raider Nation Radio, 920 Unnecessary Roughness. And as far as Trayvon's leadership, because as I mentioned, I believe he's going to be a day one starter at that free safety position. The Raiders, in my opinion, are going to slide Jonathan Abram up to play kind of that Cam Chancellor role in that old traditional uh, Seattle Seahawks, uh, you know, Legion of Boom type defense where he's more in the box. How much, how quickly do you think uh, Trayvon is able to pick up a, a defense and, and, like you said, kind of be almost a quarterback on that back end since he'll be the last line of defense? I would think he should be able to do it well. And as you said, he kind of has a specific role. I think that's a huge help that there is. Uh, of that and Abram that's there and is doing some different things. And Trayvon can kind of focus on, you know, his aspect of the defense. Um, but as far as being cerebral and, and picking things up, I think that won't be a problem for him. You know, leadership, Gary said, Gary Patterson said in the draft process, that was something that also uh, was an area where he really grew. He's not the most vocal person just by nature, but obviously with the way he played and his work ethic, guys started to follow him. And as he, you know, came into his own more, and I feel like saw that players respected him. He was more vocal. He was somebody that would try to fire guys up and, um, you know, have conversations and tell them what they need to do and, and what being a, you know, a TC Horns Rock was. So he'll still step into a new role as a rookie, but I, I believe that he's going to work hard, come in, be a good example, and then, you know, as he gets more confident, maybe we'll see some of that vocal leadership that he showed at TCU and that fire that he showed late in his career. You know, one of the things I've said about Trayvon, and I mentioned it to you multiple times, I feel like he'll be a really good player for the Raiders if he could be 
that eraser on that back end where he can allow a defensive back like a, a, a Damon Arnett or a Trayvon Mullen to go and try to make a play. And if they don't, uh, if they don't make that play, similar to what you saw maybe from Richard Sherman in his early days with Seattle, he could be that Earl Thomas and kind of create or, or, or clean up the mistake, you know, just be a, a really good eraser. Can you imagine, can you see Trayvon being – I don't. I hate to put Earl Thomas that name on him because we know how great Earl was at, at a point in his career. But can you see him having that eraser type skill? I can. I think that'll be somewhat of an adjustment for him, just because at TCU, uh, Coach Patterson plays a lot of man. Okay. So that's a ton of responsibility in his corners, but also the safeties. You know, depending on the formation. But yes, as I said when we first started talking, you know, the ball skills are really what jumps off the page with him. And I think that's such an instinctual thing. I mean, you can try to coach that. You can try to set that as an expectation, as a priority. But the bottom line is uh, the guys that create turnovers at the high school level, at the college level, they're probably going to do it at the NFL. The ones that don't, you don't just become a corner or a safety, I feel like, that starts making plays on the ball and driving on the ball. Um, I I feel like that's just about instincts and attitude and ability to make plays. So with his ability to do that, yes, I, I believe that he could come in and be someone at the back end of that defense that, okay, maybe a receiver feels like he has a half a step or a step on someone, and here comes, you know, Trey to make that play over the top or um, to make a big hit to jostle the ball out. I, I think that's an area where he'll excel. So I do believe that that's, some, that that's a, a role where he could step in and contribute right away. Now, that's a, a lot of good stuff that we've talked about, Trayvon Merrick. We've talked about his expectations and how he can step in and play a really good role for the Raiders early in his career. Uh, if you had to point out something that you say, okay, you know what, Q, he needs to improve in this area, what would you say it, it would be? So I, I think the biggest thing is just strength and, and durability. He wasn't someone that missed a ton of games, but it always felt like he was kind of playing banged up. Yeah, he had like a nagging shoulder injury. I know uh, during the combine process, he had a hip issue that dropped his 40 time a little bit. He wasn't happy with that. So can you be 100% or can you at least find a way to play through that? And then the other thing is, I mean, he was someone that made plays behind the line of scrimmage at times, but it was mainly, you know, tackling a wide receiver on a screen or, you know, making a nice read and coming up. I felt like it was all about sort of his instincts. He is a little small for the NFL game. So, you have Abram, you have Carl Joseph, you have guys on that Raiders team that I believe are, are equipped to make up for that. But if he's going to be asked to do some of those things and run support, is he able to do it? Or is he able to, you know, make open field tackles on a big running back if somebody breaks through the line? Um, those are the only things I would say that might come up as red flags because that just wasn't really something he was asked to do a lot at TCU. Um, I think he figured it out as far as, you know, making reads and, tackling smaller wide receivers behind the line of scrimmage, but he wasn't asked to do a ton as far as run support and and maybe coming on a safety blitz. So if they need him to do that or if that situation comes up, um, is he someone that can be relied upon to, to make those plays? That's something that he'll definitely have to work on, and, and that's what they have training camp for. That's what they got the preseason for is to try to get acclimated to the NFL game because it's a different animal uh, when you're on the highest level. And, uh, Stephen, before I let you go, and this has been great, man, I definitely appreciate your time. Uh, what were your thoughts? And I know there's been a major meltdown in Central Texas. I know there's been a major meltdown in the Big 12 with uh, OU and Texas uh, bailing in the next couple years. And what, what, what's been the reactions that you've taken in? What was your reaction to hearing that they were about to leave the Big 12? And where does that leave the Big 12 standing after, uh, after it's all said and done? 
I think the thing that shocked me the most, Q, was they were able to keep this under wraps for so long. This is obviously something that Texas and OU have been communicating with the SEC for a long time, and nobody knew it. And if not for Texas A&M leaking it out and essentially trying to sabotage it, right. I'm not sure if we would have known before this joint statement came out on Monday. I mean, I'm disappointed as someone who likes the Big 12. I really can't see the league uh, being viable as is. They might add some teams, but I just I don't know who you add to that makes it um, a league that is big on the national footprint. I mean, like it or not, Texas and Oklahoma were the two big brands in that conference. OU, I'm disappointed, but at the same time, like they've dominated the Big 12. I really can't be mad at them for looking at the landscape and saying, hey, let's jump ship. The thing that makes me mad to you is that I just feel like Texas is getting bailed out. I mean, at the end of the day, right. they've underachieved for the past decade plus, especially in football and men's basketball, and now they're getting to jump to the SEC and essentially write their own check. And I understand it. Like, I, I get that the TV money and, you know, the eyeballs go to Texas when they're playing. It's just unfortunate to see a program that was mismanaged for so long and is now getting this opportunity. Uh, I don't know what TCU does. I don't know what Baylor does, Texas Tech. That's one of the big questions that we've been discussing over the last few days. The Pac-12 has come up, but is the Pac-12 even interested, right? Like, right. I know those schools want to make that move because it'd be a Power 5 conference. Does the Pac-12 want to expand? We don't know. There's a lot of dominoes. As far as the Big 12 goes, though, I mean, they could add SMU. They could add Houston. Those are some teams, as you know, Q, that have come up in the past when we talk about expansion with the league. Yeah. But ultimately, that's not going to, I think, even on a 12-team playoff, really move the needle much. So it's a big mess, and if I had to guess right now, I feel like the Big 12 probably dissolves in a couple of years, and uh, maybe the majority of those schools find their way in the Big 10 or the ACC or the Pac-12. I do think there will be two or three, though, that just are on the outside looking in and kind of have to find a new route to go. Before we wrap up here on Locked on Horn Frogs, I did want to tell you about Built Bar. Uh, so today I'm sitting at my desk, and I'm, you know, it's about 2.30 in the afternoon. I'm starting to drag a little bit. I'm tired. Uh, it's been an adjustment getting used to a 9 to 5 office job after being in radio so long, and I definitely have – sensed that in the afternoons I really struggle to find a way to be productive and finish the day. So I happened to bring a built bar with me and I was gonna have it for lunch. That ended up happening, but it was still there and I thought, oh okay, great, I can go get a built bar. So I go, I grab a German chocolate built bar, I eat it there at my desk, and my focus returned, my energy level went up. It was just it hit the spot. It was good for me um on multiple levels. One just from a nutrition standpoint, but also from an energy level standpoint and builtbar.com go there today use the promo code locked on get 15 percent off your next order or your first order builtbar.com give it a try today all right tomorrow on locked on horn frogs matt jennings who joins the show every monday during football season he's gonna hop on we'll discuss realignment a little bit but i really want to get in uh to the football team with matt and tcu football and expectations for this year it's been a while since we've had a conversation so excited to reconnect with him thank you so much for tuning in today this has been a wednesday edition of locked on horn frogs part of the locked on podcast network your team every day